You know, Chicago is uh, described as being hyper-segregated. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad term, it's just a literal term. And, and what they mean by a city that's hyper-segregated is that if you pay attention, Chicago very much is separated by quadrants and groups and specifically even by color. Uh, and it's kind of a weird phenomenon. I was with some friends of mine uh, that were from out of town. They were from Minnesota and we're driving down Cicero. And I'm just like, I'm explaining the fact that Chicago's hyper-segregated. And so you have uh, a Mexican neighborhood and a Ukrainian neighborhood and a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood. Like you just have all these different neighborhoods and it just kind of like changes like that. And they're just like, they don't fully get it. I go, well, listen, right now we're, we're in a Hispanic neighborhood. So look around, there's just a lot of Hispanics. As soon as we cross this street, it'll all turn black and it'll just be a black neighborhood. And they're like, no. I was like, no, just as soon as we, y'all know, Cicero, as soon as you pass Grand, get into North Avenue, there's a switch. And so they didn't believe me. And then one of the gentlemen with me was African-American. He's like, y'all, man, that's not true. And my other guy's white. He's like, that's not true. I said, like, guys, just wait. And so as soon as, like, it's all Hispanic people. As soon as we press Grand, it just flipped. And their mouths dropped. They're like, no, you're like, you're for real. I'm like, yeah, it, this is how Chicago is. And I don't think it's always necessarily bad. It's just what they find as, as socialists start to study these things, uh, as social sciences, is that uh, people just tend to move within areas and groups of people that look like them, talk like them, eat what they eat. Uh, and so if you're coming from, let's say, India, uh, you may want to live in an area like Devon, Little India, where your food is sold, your language is spoken. Uh, you're coming from China, you might want to move into Chinatown, again, where your food is sold, your language is spoken, your culture is embraced. And so that's why in Chicago, you don't ever have to learn English because you just move into the right neighborhood and you're good. Like, so, you know, Harlem was all Italian and you just got all these different neighborhoods. Now, again, I can see how the cynic would maybe look at that and be like, that's messed up. That's not right. For me, I've always loved that because you know what? You know where to go to get what you want. You know what I mean? Like, if you want the best, you know, Vietnamese food, you go to Little Saigon over there in, in, in that area, and there's, like, 97 pho restaurants all on the same block. You know, if you want to have, like, just hipster vibes, you know where to go. You go to Wicker Park, and you go, I mean, you just know where the best food is, depending on what neighborhood you want to walk into. And so, for me, it's never been a thing. And I think it's because I've kind of always been like that. When, they, when you tell me I'm not supposed to be there or I'm not welcome there, I feel all the more the need to go, yeah, I am. Right? I think it comes back, especially in high school. I went to Lane, and Lane is like, you know, 5,000 people. And so when you get that many people, people kind of, they float towards people that look like them. And so I kind of always laughed at, at least when I was there, because all those groups of people, and it wasn't just skin color, it was, you know, like-minded things. So like all the baseball players hung out at Subway, and all the Asian people hung out outside of the O entrance, and you know, all the African-American people were at Wendy's, and all the potheads were at Taco Bell. And you kind of like, you had this whole segregation of groups and to me I love the ability to just hang out with those groups that I, I'm not supposed to hang out with and so you know I remember we were I'm not even going to tell this that's a messed up story alright 
I'll tell it. It's funny. So the Asian group of people had the rice bowl, which I thought was a racist name for it. But they had this like football game. And so our friend invited us because the Japanese club didn't have a lot of kids to join in the game. So he invited us, which happened to be half the football team. So we all joined the Japanese club and the rest of the clubs didn't like it. And so they took their ball and went to another park and left us at the park by ourselves because they were, they were not fun. fun. Uh, it didn't help again. We're these like giant football players knocking over these tiny little girls and it was just a mess. Um, but my point is, I, I just, I loved, I loved being able to stand inside of a group where other people felt like they're not supposed to stand. Because what I found is, it looks like you're not supposed to be there until you show up. No one has ever, anytime, especially in high school or even city, when I walked into those groups, I never felt unwelcomed. There was, hey, what's up, Joey? I was like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, if you just kind of act like you belong, nine times out of 10, people just kind of let you do it. Like, they don't really think about it. And so for us, it was this opportunity, me and my friend groups to say, hey, listen, we're not gonna be divided just because you like this and you like that. Man, I'm gonna be cool with whoever and whatever I want because I don't wanna ever feel like I don't belong. I wanna feel like there's a place for me wherever I go. We've been in this series, started last week, about unity. I I just kind of flippantly called it bodybuilding because I do believe God has called us to build up the body of Christ and to understand our role and our function and who we are in the body of Christ. And I titled this morning's message, The Place to Be, because I think it's important for all of us to understand our place in the body. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going this month through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I'm reading today verses 15 through 20. If you want to pull out your Bibles, if you want to look at the Bible in the sky, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 through 20. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God bless you, Sam. I think there's a few things we have to understand when it comes to this, because again, I think sometimes uh, we can feel like maybe we don't belong. And, And this message, as I was praying, as my heart was kind of going into what the Lord was speaking, I think part of what I really want everybody to understand is everyone here has a place here. So for those of you who maybe you've been coming for a while and you're just wondering, man, I don't know if this is the place for me. I want to confirm from the Lord, yes, this is the place for you. For those of you who are maybe coming back and it's been a while and maybe you've you've had a season away from the Lord or maybe you've just been gone for a minute and you're coming back and you're wondering, you know, do I still have a place here? I want you to know from the Lord, yes, you still have a place in the body. And I say that because of what the scriptures are telling us here. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to understand is that you specifically have a place in the body. You as an individual have a place in the body. And like I said, I think the problem sometimes is we make assumptions based on what we see and we assume I don't belong here. We assume this isn't for me. These people aren't like me. I'm not supposed to be here. I don't fit in. We look at the situation and we make assumptions that we don't belong. But one of the things I need you to understand is that your perception is not God's reality. 
okay? Your perception is not God's reality. I know the saying, perception is reality, and to a certain extent, that's true for you, but your perception does not change God's reality. God's reality is constant and consistent. Okay, so here's what happens. We often will come into a church, we'll look at the people, and we'll start to think, well, I don't fit in here. I don't dress like they do. I, I don't look demographically like the majority of the people here do. Uh, I don't pray like sister so-and-so, or, or I don't know people like brother so-and-so, and, and I just don't see how I fit in. You know, the people here, they're too old, they're too young, they, there are too many families, there's too many singles. Like, we make all these assumptions based on this broad perspective of what we see when we first walk in, and we naturally assume there is no place for me here. And I need you to understand that you could not be more wrong. Part of what I love about our city and specifically our church is the diversity that God has brought into this body. Right? I like to cook. Love to cook. And I, I love to eat too, ironically. And so the worst thing you can do is give me some basic bland meal. Right, you just give me some boiled vegetables with no seasoning and no nothing. Like, put some olive oil, something on that thing. Like, I love the, the mixture of flavors. I am fascinated by the chemistry behind cooking and how you can add all these different elements that by themselves taste horrible. But when you mix it all up and you add some heat and you stir it up and you give it time, you have this unbelievable dish that is just chef's kiss. And I think that's what the body of Christ is. Hey, individual, we may not be much, but together we make up the body of Christ. And here's the problem. Sometimes when you eat something and you taste, you go, something's what? Maybe that's you. And you're like, well, hey, that's not a main ingredient. That's not the main. No, it isn't. But it gives it that little je ne sais quoi. Right? It gives it that little over the top. Y'all like my French, huh? That was nice. <laughs> And I took Spanish in high school. I didn't even take French. Listen, Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16 says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You realize you're, you're a complex individual? I've been married to my wife many years. I still don't understand her. And I spend more time with her than anybody else in this room. Why? Because she's complex. And complex isn't bad, it's beautiful. The fact that God has made you so wonderfully complex that you're not just like everybody else. We need you to be a little bit different. We need you to be exactly who God created you to be. Your workmanships, the psalm continues, is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Meaning that God knew he called you to this body before you did. God already understood your place and your role in this local body of Christ. God already had a place for you set up specifically for you. So it's not a question of, I don't know if I belong. It's God, have you called me here? And if you've called me here, then I belong. 
If you've placed me in this situation, even though I look different than everybody else, even though I might talk different than everybody else, even though I might have an accent or I might not have an accent, which we all have an accent, you know, no matter what the situation may be, no matter what I think disqualifies me because it makes me different than everybody else, the reality is that only adds to the flavor of the pot we're cooking. That only brings things together. And sometimes going into that illustration of cooking, it's the things that we don't think go together that actually pair up wonderfully. For example, did you know if you add a little bit of salt, it enhances sweetness? It doesn't make sense on the surface, but you ask any baker, they put salt. As a matter of fact, I used to work at Starbucks, I used to manage a Starbucks, and we used to have these salted caramel drinks, and people were like, oh, don't put salt. I was like, no, trust me, you want this. And then they drink, like, you can barely taste the salt. It's like, no, no, salt's an enhancer. If, I, if you tasted only salt, then it was too much. And if all anybody ever tasted when they walked in this room was salt, they'd walk out of here thirsty and disgusted. No, no, we enhance, right? Because we are all these different flavors that God has brought together. So when the psalmist says, hey, listen, just because you think I'm not the hand, just because a foot says I'm not a hand doesn't mean they're not a part of the body. That's what it means. But here's the other part of that, is that you don't stop being a part of the body because you feel like an outsider. You stop being a part of the body when you behave like an outsider. That's what happens. So it's not that you're different that takes you away from the body. It's that you've allowed your difference to remove you from being active in the body. So if my hand were amputated, it's still my hand, but it's just no longer connected to my body. And guess what? I would miss my hand. I don't want to lose any part of my body. I want all the parts of my body functioning and moving in one direction, doing well. But what happens a lot of times is we make these perceptions. We, we look at these situations and we start to think, well, I don't look like that or I don't act like that or I'm not like this. And so I must not belong. I'm going to stop going. Yeah, I know Anchor's having this thing, but I mean, I just, I don't know anybody there. I like, guess why you don't know anybody there? Because you don't come, you don't show up, you don't get a part of things. Well, I'd love to serve in there, but you know, they all know each other. And I was like, yes, just, that, how do you think they know each other? They've been serving along one another. They've been helping each other. That's how you build up the body. So when you don't function in the role of the body, when you're not moving in the direction that the body is moving, you're going to feel like an outsider because you're not participating, because you're not jumping in. And so the more you jump in, the more you belong, the more you connect, the more you're functioning. It's like, again, going back to the illustration of the body. If, if there's a part of my body that I do not move, right? Let's just say I'm, I'm laid up in bed and I don't move my legs and I'm laying there for months. The legs are still a part of my body, but the muscles begin to atrophy because they're not in use. Are they part of the body? Yes. Do they feel like they're part of my body? No, I don't even feel them anymore. Right? They, they, you ever had that where your leg falls asleep and you get up and you feel like you're going to fall down because you just can't sense it anymore? Part of that is because it's been cut off. Literally, like you cut off circulation and you start to lose sensation and you can't walk anymore. And you get this tingling. You get this numbness. Some of you are tingling and numbling. Numbling, that's a word. Some of you are tingling and numb. Because you've cut yourself off. Not that God's cut you off and not that the church has cut you off. Because I've always been, I've always had an issue with this where people are like, well, nobody does this and nobody invites me to that and nobody, what makes you so special that we have to go out of our way and hand you a gold invitation to be a part of things? Like, just show up. 
just ask somebody. Hey, do you need help? Hey, I heard children's ministry needs help. I'd love to help. Hey, I heard the youth ministry needs help. Hey, I'd love to help. Hey, I heard you guys are doing this event. Is there anything I can do? Hey, listen, I'm bored. I'm on summer break. I got nothing to do. Can I help you out in the office during the week? Absolutely. All day, every day, three times on Sunday, we will take you. But to just sit back and wait and then complain that no one asks you specifically and read your mind about what you feel you're supposed to do, I'm sorry. At some point, you got to have personal responsibility to get involved and to jump in. Listen, Hebrews 10, 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Some people are in the habit of not, of not meeting together. What do I mean by that? You know, if everybody showed up on the same day, this place would be packed out. It's like we take turns. All right, you got this Sunday and I'll take every other Sunday. We can't be there at the same time because that'll break up the time continuum. Like we got to keep the timeline intact. And so you show up this week, I'll show up next week. And oh, I got vacation for four, you know, four months and so I'll be back next year. Like we, we start doing this swapping thing. And here's the problem with that. Again, listen, I don't mind you take a vacation. I don't mind, again, it is what it is. But here's what I've discovered in life. It's not a problem taking one Sunday off. But one Sunday easily becomes two Sundays, easily becomes three Sundays, easily becomes four months, easily becomes a year. Then all of a sudden you're like, man, I know I need to get back in church, but I'm embarrassed. You know, people are going to say things. No one's going to say anything. People are going to walk in. They're going to think things. Nobody noticed. We forgot you were there anymore because out of sight, out of mind. And again, people get mad. It's like, nobody called me. It's been four years. Like, I'm sorry, but the phone works both ways. Like, let us know. Like, tell us you're, you need something. Like, we're more than happy. And so a lot of times people get mad that nobody reaches out. But here's the reality. If you reached out, there'll be a hand that'll reach back. There is a willingness to do that. But you got to be careful because it can easily happen where one becomes two and two becomes 10 years. And then there's this embarrassment, this, this worry of, I don't know if I can come back. Listen, you can always come back. You're just making it harder on yourself when you allow those lapses to happen. And I love what it says. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. I can't encourage you if you're not here. I can't encourage someone that's not around. I will greatly encourage you while you're here. I will try my best to do what I can, whether it's from the pulpit or in person, to try to encourage you. And we can encourage each other that only happens when we're consistent, when we're showing up, when we're at least trying to be a part of the body. Does that make sense? So again, the foot looks at the hand, thinks to himself, I'm not a part of the body. I love what the scriptures say. Just because he says that doesn't mean it's so. It doesn't suddenly stop him from being a part of the body. So you have this whole situation of the foot looking at the hand or, or the, the, the other body parts looking at other body parts thinking, I don't belong. But there's a flip side to that. Because even though you have a place in the body, you also have to understand they have a place in the body. So you is personal. I have a place in the body. They is helping the rest of the church understand, the ones that consider themselves part of the body, that everyone else who comes in gets to be a part of the body just as much as you do. So the foot is looking at the hand thinking I don't belong part of this body, but it would be just as wrong if the hand looked at the foot and said you don't belong a part of this body. Because you don't dress like this or you don't act like that or that's not what we do here. That's not how we act here. You got to do this and you got to do that. And we look for conformity rather than unity. We, we, we ask them to do this. Now listen, again, 
the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will transform us. If there's no transformation in your life after your salvation, then I would argue about your salvation. There has to be some sort of change. The old is gone. The new has come. But that change is not dictated by church culture. It is dictated by the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful about trying to dictate somebody's outside so that they conform and make us more comfortable inside. They're a work in progress. Just because you're further along doesn't give you the right to call them out. Now, if you're doing things in love, if you have a relationship, if you're discipling them, if you're guiding them, if they invite you to do that, that's a whole different scenario. But making somebody feel unwelcome because they're not as far along as you are is a sin. Okay, we have to be worried about that. We have to be careful about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 through 21 says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Just because you're different from that person or your function or your role is different from the function or role of somebody else does not make you better or worse than anybody else in this room. We need everybody. Just because I have a right hand doesn't mean I don't need a left hand. I am very happy to have both. Right, And so both of them work in unison. Both of them work in concert. And so that's the beauty of the body. That's the beauty of our differences. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we might run out the very thing we need. The very thing that God has brought in, the very giftings and talents and nature and ability that God has brought in to build up the body, your own insecurities or fears or you know, preconceptions of what a Christian is supposed to look like from day one might run someone out just because what? Makes you more comfortable? I, I'm willing to have things be a little messy as somebody's figuring something out. Again, there's a difference. Like if somebody is, is outward willfully sinning, is causing division, is hurting the body, well, you know, cancer is you cut out. But listen, you know, our, our, our brother, Pastor Ishmael, he just had a kidney transplant. That's a foreign organ in his body. His body's going to actively try to fight it, not knowing that his body desperately needs it to live. So when we graft new believers or new people into our current body, there might be a party that's like, well, hey, you, you don't, you're new here. You don't belong here. And you don't even understand we might die if God doesn't allow those graftings to happen. So I think about it for myself. When I first got to Belmont, I came to Excel before I came to anything else as a 15-year-old. And there was just a small handful of people that didn't make me feel welcome. That were, it was pretty obvious they didn't like having me around. I don't know what their issue was because it was like from day one. Uh, I think I looked maybe a little too ghetto to them or, or whatever. Uh, and there was, you know, even, even a couple of leaders that were very like protective of like trying to keep their kids away from me, which I'm just like, wouldn't you want to have your students brace, embrace me and teach me and help me? Like they didn't know me from anyone else, but it was very evident early on that I wasn't made to feel welcome. Here's the problem. I really liked Excel. Like I liked it a lot. And so because I'm petty, I just thought to myself, well, there's like four of you that don't want me here. So I'm gonna bring so many friends that this will now become my youth ministry. <laughs> and so I brought literally three rows worth of, like rows upon rows of friends. I, at one time I brought 21 friends to church. All of them got saved. I'm like, I am going to outfriend you in this group. You don't wanna bring my friends? I'll bring my own friends. <laughs> And again, I'm not trying to be petty, but I did outlast all of them. Um, and that's not to say anything. I wish they would have 
been a part of the body. I wish they would have grafted in. The problem was, I don't think in that moment they thought, hey, we should be nicest person. He might be the lead pastor here one day. They just thought, ah, who's this kid? He didn't grow up with us. He wasn't a part of this church. It's us four, no more. We don't want you here. I thank God that there were, on the opposite end of them, a handful of people that did make me feel welcome and did tell me that I belonged and did remember my name and did take the time to love me and encourage me in spite of what some were doing. So I need you to understand, church, if, you're, if you've had that situation here, I'm sorry. If somebody has made you feel unwelcome, if somebody has crossed you, understand that we're all works in progress, that we all have faults, that even though an individual might've hurt you, that wasn't God, and that you still have a part in this body. Hey, listen, sometimes I hurt myself. I just like, I literally have a scar on my thumb because I was trying to open something and I like jammed my nail into it and I like cut a piece of skin open. My own body did me wrong. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you stub your own toe. And just because I stub my own toe doesn't mean I cut off my leg. It just means I grab it, I scream a little bit, (laughs) and I process. Because here's the third thing. We need all these differences because we are called to a place of unity, not uniform. We are called to a place of unity, not uniform. Listen, the scripture said, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Uniform means we all look, act, and smell the same way. Like we are all the same thing. Unity is when all the different parts come together to make something special. We're not asking you to be uniform. We're not all showing up wearing the same exact shirt or the same exact pants or the same exact shoes, speaking the same exact words in the same exact way. There is beauty in diversity. Right? This is the issue in, in the New Testament. You see this a lot where the people that were coming out of Judaism into Christianity because they understood that they were the people of God and, and they were God's chosen people, they were putting the Gentiles through the ringer saying, you have to act like this, do this. And honestly, it was upsetting many of the disciples because they were preaching the wrong thing. They were preaching uniformity, not unity. They were saying, listen, if you're going to be one of us, you got to get circumcised. If you're going to be one of us, you got to do this. If you're going to be like, they kept adding all these rules and regulations that Christ died on the cross so that we no longer have to follow. But by grace, we can continue to be who God called us to be. And so we have to be careful in trying to make the standard uniformity. The standard is unity. Now we are one in Christ. We all are striving to be like Christ. We're just not striving to be like each other. Does that make sense? So when it comes to, hey, to a certain extent, yes, we all want to talk like Jesus. We all want to love like Jesus. We all want to move like Jesus. But I don't want to try to be Pastor Carlos. I'm me. I can't be him. I don't want to try to be Gio. He's way better dresser than I am, okay? His photogenic aspects, I loathe from the bottom of my soul. I am so incredibly jealous. That man can accidentally take a picture with his cell phone in his pocket, and it looks better than anything I've ever taken. But he's, but I need him in the body. I I just, we need somebody to be the cover of our flyers. Like, and it ain't going to be me. I am not the one. I'm not the poster we're going to hang outside. I'm not going to be that fast. Like, hey guys, (laughs) that's just not me. Okay. And I get that. And so we need every aspect. We need every one of you to come and be who you are called to be. Because no one, if you're trying to be like everybody else, who's going to be like you? We need you. Yeah, but I'm kind of awkward. Kind of awkward is fun sometimes. 
Listen, I, I love all those little idiosyncrasies. I love all those things because it's our unique differences that come together to complement, not compete. See, if we were all the same, there'd be massive competition. But instead, we come and we complement. Right? Listen, how weird would it be if in your car, those two pedals were the same? If you just had two accelerators. If you had two accelerators, you crashing. If you had two brakes, you're not going anywhere. Right? You need an accelerator and a brake. Some of your marriages, you're like, oh, we just, we never see the eye to eye. Well, that's because one of you is gas and one of you is brakes. And you need both. She never lets me do anything. She's the brakes. <laughs> He's always running ahead of him. He's the gas. <laughs> You act like it's a problem. That's what gets the car going. The trick is make sure Jesus is steering the thing. <laughs> but you got both parts. And so listen, even in our, in our meetings, on our teams, there are some that are gas, there are some that are brakes. We need both, right? Because if not, we'd crash this whole thing or not go anywhere. <laughs> we need to function complementary, not competitively. We need to be able to come together and be the body of Christ. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well, listen here, to serve one another. Your giftings are to serve the body, not yourself. Right? Dada sang the house down. We didn't pay her. That's not her album. She didn't get a contract for that. She did it to bless the body of Christ, to serve the body of Christ, right? We got guys on the camera right now, wonderful men of God who serve faithfully and do so much in this church. They do it because that's a gifting and a talent that God has given them, to serve the body. We have people with our children right now, wonderful, God-fearing men and women who are watching over our children, who are making you feel so comfortable that this is the first time you thought about them throughout the message. Praise God for that. Because some of you guys, you only come to church for that break. I ain't even mad at you. I don't care why you show up as long as you come out here a little bit different. Okay? But our giftings, our talents, could you imagine if we didn't serve each other? It'd be very hard to wash my hand by itself. I'm glad that I have two hands to wash each other. I'm glad that I have the body to help and function and say, listen, it says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. See, everything you do is to God's glory in the body of Christ. Everything we are brings to it. The problem is if you're not functioning in the role of the body and if you're not understanding that you are, have a place in this body. I'm saying that and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week because each of you is important to what God has called us to do here at Belmont. And, and I need you to understand that there's a whole bunch of people that are to come that God has already in his mind, he knows who he's bringing that God is going to bring to continue to build Belmont to where he's called us to be. And the reason that we're, we're, I'm really hampering in on this series of unity is if we're not united now, why would they want to unite with us later? When they show up and they see dysfunction, they see divisiveness, they see pockets of people who have separated, what would make them say, I want to be a part of this horribly dysfunctional family? We got our own dysfunctional families back home. But when they see unity, 
when they see compliments, when they see us serving one another and helping one another and being a part of one another, then they understand this is where God has brought me. Worship team, if you can help me out. And that's the last thing, and this is important to understand, is that it's God who decides our place in the body. Right? Notice the scripture, it said, but in fact, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So I'm sorry if you're sitting here and going, yeah, but I don't sing like, like Dada and, and I don't play the piano like Pastor Jason and I don't preach like Pastor Joey and I don't know how to use tech like Kirby and come up with all these graphics. Like, I, I don't know how to be all these guys. That's fine. Do you know how to be you? And what do you bring? What talents do you have? Because your giftings may not be what we have. It may be just what we need. So you may show up and go, I mean, I don't know. I'm just an ESL teacher. Hey, great. We have a Spanish ministry and we have a huge Hispanic demographic in this community. Would you be willing to put together some ESL courses? Maybe we can get some grants. Maybe we could get some funding. Maybe we can open up a whole ministry just teaching English as a second language. Sometimes there are some ministries that aren't here just because you aren't just because you haven't participated. Now that doesn't mean we're gonna do everything that everybody wants. But sometimes, going back to this illustration of cooking, sometimes the meal is limited by the ingredients. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, man, I'm in the mood for da, da, da. And then you open the fridge, we're out of that. Man, I would really love some, I really got a taste for it. Oh yeah, that's great. And then you go in the pantry. No, we're out of that. I wonder how many meals this church has spiritually been able to uncook because we're out of that, because you're not here. And again, I'm not saying you're not here physically. You might be here physically, but you're not engaged. What good are you here physically if you're not here spiritually? If you're not engaged in the life of the church, if you're not actively participating. And again, engagement can look all number of ways. Engagement can be faithfully giving. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't really have any talent. You know, I just, you know, I make upwards of six figures. That's, I mean, that's a talent. That's a talent. Because all those things work together. Listen, again, please don't misunderstand me. I know the, the misconception a lot of times about churches is we just want your money. No, we don't. Okay? Because I'm pretty sure we don't have any millionaires in this building. At least I don't know of. If you do... Come and shake my hand after we can have a whole conversation. But you know, we, we give upwards of about $1.3 million a year because of individual faithful people that are committed to the body of Christ. Well, what do you need money for? I don't know. Do you have kids? What do you need money for? To feed them, to clothe them, to educate them, to lead them. God doesn't require our money. He doesn't need it, but he asks of it. Because it's another way to engage. It's another way to be a part. It's another way to be involved. Because here's what I've understood when it comes to finances. You give to the things you're invested in. You serve in the things that you're invested in. You participate in the things you're invested in. You give your time to the things that you're invested in. And guess what? It's God who has called you to do that. Not Pastor Joey. Not your friend. Not your neighbor. Not your spouse. God has placed you here for such a time as this. 
John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus is speaking. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. You think you're here because you like the music or you like the preaching or the ministries. Or you thought you chose this place. You thought you chose God. That one day when a pastor told you to raise your hand, you lifted it up and you chose God. You didn't choose God. You said yes to God choosing you. You were chosen. And you weren't chosen just to go to heaven. You were chosen to serve the body. We need you and you need us. So let's come together and understand we all have a place here. From the youngest to the oldest, from the biggest to the smallest, from the extrovert to the introvert, from the artist to the athlete. Every one of you, with all your backgrounds and all your baggage, we need you. We want you, and God has chosen you. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. And I want to just pray. it's easy to hear a message like this and go I agree but then not do anything about it I want to challenge you church if you're not engaged in the life of the church and you'll be hearing that phrase a lot from me over the years because in my heart my goal and my desire is not to see this room filled with people but filled with workers see the Bible says the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few there might be plenty of people. There's just not enough workers. So what good is it if we fill the room with people, but we're not able to accomplish the work of God because we just don't have enough people engaged in that process. I don't want my body covered with body parts. I want to be the body. It'd be weird. You just threw hands on me. <laughs> Those are your hands. I need my hands. I need my feet. I need you. So let's pray as God would stir up that desire within us. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for every individual in this room, God, because you have brought them here for such a time as this. And God, I pray against our insecurities, Lord. I pray against uh, this idea or this thought that somehow I don't belong because of my background or because of where I'm at or because of what I've done. Lord, I pray that we would each understand that those of us who have fully given our lives to the Lord have a place in the body of Christ. That those of us who are saved and set apart have been set apart for your work and your purpose. So Lord, I just pray, help us not to just be a bunch of seat fillers. Lord, help us not to just come here week in, week out and hear a nice pep talk but never do anything about it. Lord, help us to be the church and not just go to church. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for every diverse individual. We thank you for every background. We thank you for every culture represented in this church, every skin color represented in this church, every background and history, every age, every demographic. We thank you, Lord, because you brought us all together and united so many different people under one amazing love in you. So Lord, I pray that we would be spurred by that love to actively pursue you and to do the work you have called us to do. So we thank you for that, God. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said?
Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. 